There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Well, once again, thank you for tuning into this Tuesday edition of the podcast. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh. We're coming to you on the podcast. School is out. Homeschool is finished. And we are in Youth Week, and so we certainly are thankful for the Word of God, thankful for those that have come out for the Youth Week and the preaching that's already taken place. We thank God for our Monday preachers. Lord willing, today, 10 o'clock, tonight, 7 o'clock, we'll have more preaching, sword drills, choir practice, lots of singing, things in between. And we look forward to what the Lord is going to do. If you're in the area, if you know someone in the area, let them know about this, and we'll be glad to be a blessing, glad to be a help. We're back in Job 34 today. We're dealing with Elihu once again as he is speaking to Job. And he is contending over righteousness, and I would love to see them. Thank God for that. He says in verse 1, Furthermore, Elihu answered and said, Hear my words, O ye wise men, and give ear unto me, ye that have knowledge. And so he clarifies. He's speaking to them with respect. He's not rebuking an elder. He is correcting the things that were wrong, that they spoke wrong of the Lord about. And he's also contending with Job over his own righteousness, his self-righteousness. And thank God for some young men. I wish there were some young men today that would contend with some of the aged men over this matter of self-righteousness, their own ideals, their own thinking. And I know I myself get caught up in that, thinking I'm something, thinking, I've, oh, I preached a good message, or I did this, and oh boy, just self-righteousness, and oh, how wonderful I am. And again, it goes back to that old adage, how important to you, you know, go look at a map of the world. And find yourself on the map of the world and realize how big you are. And then look at a map of the universe and find out how big you really are. The fact that God would allow you to be used, that God would put his hand upon you, but more so that God would send his dear son into this world to be the propitiation for your sins. What a blessing. What a joy. We thank God for that privilege to be a child of God. So he says these wise men, he says they have knowledge, for the ear trieth words as the mouth tasteth meat. And so it is. And by the way, you ought to weigh words. You ought to try them just like that mouse tastes meat. The people, their mouth will come and they'll taste. Is it salty? Is it sweet? Is it savory? Your ears ought to do the same. Your ears ought to be listening. Your ears not to be dull of hearing. You need sharp ears. You need to listen. Weigh those things. Use your intellect that God has given you. Weigh those things against righteousness. Why are people dull of hearing? Because they do not care. They do not care what God says. They do not care what the preacher says. They're dull of hearings. They hear the same thing over and over again. It's mundane to them. They're indifferent about that. They don't spend time with the Lord. Therefore, anything that comes across from preaching, anything that comes across from God, anything that comes across, that's why they sit at home and watch TV preachers because they, they're exciting. And boy, it's just intellectually stimulating. And boy, it makes them feel good about themselves, but it's not of God. There's no power with God. Now, if you know a TV preacher has power with God, please call me, correct me, email us, text us, whatever you got to do. I've never heard a TV preacher that had power with God, not in 20 years. And why? Because they're all about money. And if they're not all about money, how come they're always asking for money? 
It's like the guys on the radio. They used to just simply have a little thing at the end. If you want to support us, send this in. Now the first thing they do is talk about money. Send us money. And one of the reasons that I made up my mind, we're not going to ask for money on the podcast. We have folks that have sent money in. When you make little statements like that, some people just despite you, I think, send money in. Amen. And uh, so we say things, but we know we just made up our mind. We're just going to pay the fees and pay our storage fee and our and our broadcast fees and just deal with that because I don't want to be for sale. And our expenses aren't that great. And so we're not going to be for sale on this. And yet what he's speaking of here, he says, your mouth tasteth meat. So therefore, let your ear try these things. Why don't you take what God is saying and weigh them in your thinking what you've heard? Weigh them against other things you've heard. Weigh them what God is saying through the word of God. Are you willing to do that? And people wonder why they're lost sometimes because they will not hear. They're dull of hearing. They don't want to hear what God is saying. Let us choose to us judgment. Let us know among ourselves what is good. For Job hath said, I am righteous, and God hath taken away my judgment. And so he says, let us know these things. How do you do that? By hearing the word of God, finding out, examining yourself, searching out these things, whether they be true, searching the scriptures, whether you think what you think you have eternal life. What a terrible thing. I think I have eternal life. I think I'm saved. And you'll tell people, you know, you can know. And they'll say, oh, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think I'm saved. No, you can know that you're saved. They substitute the words because they're not listening. Thinking you're saved, maybe being saved, and knowing that you have the witness of God on the inside are different things. But when your ear is dull of hearing, you equate that to everything. You process through the filter of your mind. You process through the filter of your thinking. And therefore, it must be right because you thought it. But it's not right. And so he's challenging these men because Job has said he's just. He's going to stay in judgment for this. We're all going to stay in judgment for this. And so he says, should I lie against my right? My wound is incurable without transgression. What man is like Job who drinketh up scorning like water? And again, he gets into this area of prophecy. There's no doubt about that. He's walked into the realm. Why can Job take scorning like water? No, he does not. He begins to defend himself. He loses a little bit of meekness. He begins to speak on his behalf rather than God's behalf. And if the word of God can't defend you, you're in trouble. And why meekness is missing today. That's why the servant of the Lord, he can't strive. He must not strive. He must with meekness. He must teach with meekness, be patient and meekness, teaching those that oppose themselves. Why? Because they're in opposition to their own selves. They don't understand they're destroying their life. Now, man of God comes in with brashness and boldness and cocky and arrogant and foolish. They're not going to take heed to what he says. But if they'll come with meekness, there is a slight chance they might listen to what the man of God is saying. There is a slight chance they might actually weigh the words that he's speaking. They've heard everything under the sun. Most religious people have heard everything under the sun. The danger today is you do have two gospels. You have a false gospel, you have a true gospel. There's nothing else in between. It's one of two. The false gospel is very broad. It's very, it includes everybody. It includes those that called upon the name of the Lord, uh, those that did come to repentance, those that fully repented, those that partially repented, those who were elect by grace, those who were elect by foreknowledge. It includes all of those people. It includes those that have, have prayed with the Eucharist, but yet they had faith. It includes those that have prayed, uh, you know, going through the beads, and yet they have faith. as those that have submitted themselves to the pouring of baptism, or those that have submitted themselves even to the immersion of baptism, yet without faith. It's a broad path. That other gospel is a broad path. And once you start walking down that path, you'll start including everybody. You'll include the Mormons, and you'll start including uh, you know, some of the Seventh-day Adventists. I heard a man recently said, man, they're good people. I said, no, they're not. 
They teach damnable heresies. How can they be good people? And if you're a Seventh-day Adventist listening, go take the Word of God, weigh them against the doctrines of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and you'll find out it's more than just meeting on a Sabbath day, on a Saturday. It's far more that they deny the existence of hell. They deny the eternal hell. They deny the eternal judgment, and they don't, they're confused about who Jesus Christ is. I laugh about that book, Kingdom of the Cults. They decided back in the 70s, I think it was, to go ahead and take Seventh-day Adventists out of that book, Kingdom of the Cults. They used to be a cult, but they morphed just enough that now they're included in this modern gospel. And you can run down the altar, a guy's up there in short pants and a cool shirt and a hip band, and you can run down there and repeat a prayer, and you can say that you're saved, just like the woman kneeled in the confessional there at the Catholic Church. She's got the rosary. She's praying the rosary. The priest is blessing. And you can go down and repeat a prayer and be saved just like that woman, quote, pre, you know, quoting a rosary, praying the rosary. You can get saved just like that guy that goes up to the front of the church and is baptized. And by the way, that's pretty much only the Lutherans, as far as I know, some of the brethren. They'll baptize by sprinkling in front of the church. Most of them, it's at the back of the church for the babies because they're sinners and they can't go near the Holy Eucharist. And all of a sudden, all this is melded into one big gospel. And then the Baptists come along and they say, well, if you prayed the prayer, you're saved. And they are included in the gospel. Why? Because everybody's prayed the prayer. When you went and got baptized, you prayed a prayer. When you prayed the rosary, you prayed a prayer. And when you went and got immersed, you prayed a prayer. When you went down to the altar, you prayed a prayer. Everybody's prayed a prayer. But the reality is, is one gospel It's in the person of Jesus Christ. And we spake of it yesterday on the podcast. It's a work of God that God works in the heart of man. That's a true gospel. And it's by the law and by the prophets and by the Psalms that we would see Jesus Christ, the sufferings of Christ, the glory that should follow. We would see how he suffered for us. We would see how he died for us. And then we would see how God raised him up again. And so men will drink scorn like water. That is prophetic there. He said, which goeth in company with the workers of iniquity and walketh with wicked men. For he said, it profiteth a man nothing that he should delight himself with God. So again, he's making accusation to Job and not wrongfully. Job did say some of these things, but is he righteous? Well, we found out later, Job was indeed righteous with God. The Lord reproved Job, but then Job got to offer sacrifice for his friends because they spake not that thing right that was concerning God. And therefore they were judged of God. Job is found, he is judged, God corrects him, God shows him his might, showed him his almighty power, then restores double everything Job had. Why? Because Job was a righteous man, Job was a just man, Job was an upright man, Job feared God, Job eschewed evil, we know that from the word of God. So who else took scorning like water? Jesus Christ did. They mocked him and scoffed at him and hated him. They still scoff at him. They still mock at him. They still despise him. They despise the suffering Savior. They despise that broken one, that sick one, that cancerous one, that visage marred more than any man, that man who's bore our sins, bore our iniquities in his body on the cross. They despise what they think is a weak and a wimpy Savior. What they love is the flannel graph Savior with the big muscles and the nice, beautiful, long, wavy hair, got a little bit of a perm in it. And they love that Jesus, but they don't love the Jesus of the gospel. They don't love that Jesus of the word of God. He said, therefore, hearken to me, you men of understanding, far be it from God that he should do wickedness and from the Almighty that he should commit iniquity. And so he says in verse 8, which goes in company with the workers of iniquity. Did Jesus Christ commit iniquity? No, he did not. He was made sin for us. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
He came into his own, his own received him not. Does that mean that he sinned? No. He bid them give you power to become the sons of God. How did they do that? Because he was the sinless Savior. He was the perfect Lamb of God. He was the righteousness of God and still is the righteousness of God. And therefore, the good Lord God Almighty is not going to do wickedness. He is not going to commit iniquity. And so when a man accuses God and he accuses him of doing wrong, or can I say this? He accuses him of being legalistic. They'll say, well, you know, the God that we understand is a God of mercy and a God of love. And boy, he doesn't speak like you speak. He doesn't use those strong words like you do. And boy, he doesn't say all those mean things you say, but yet he did because they weren't mean. They were holy words. When he called them serpents, called them vipers, guess what? They were holy words. When Moses came down from the mountain, cast those tablets down, called them a bunch of rebels uh, at different times. And they rebelled against God, and, and, and Moses even showed anger a couple of times. Moses smote the Egyptian and all of those things. Why? Because he was God's man. Elijah mocked the prophets of Baal. Why? He was God's man. And we see that all through Scripture. John the Baptist was no coward. He was no sissy. I mean, any man that lives in the wilderness, he's locusts and honey and has that leathern girdle about his loins. That's a tough man. And he was a tough man, but he was God's man. More than just a tough man, he wasn't some wild-haired, crazy guy. He was God's man. He was a man of God, and he spake by the Holy Ghost because he had been filled with the Holy Ghost. He had a message. He was a forerunner. He was a prophet of God. Today, they would hate him. Today, they would cut his head off. Today, they would try to kill Elijah, just like Jezebel did. And they, they say they love preaching. They say they love the Word of God. But what they do not love is the words of God because the words of God cannot justify them without Christ. The words of God will not give you peace and give you rest outside of Christ. The words of God will not satiate your own righteousness. Therefore, you need something else. You need a pat on the back. You need somebody to come and tickle your ears. You need somebody to tell you how great you are. Why? Because the words of God do not suffice. And I think that's where Elihu is. He's seeing Job's friends. He's speaking at Job about Job, but he has seen the accusation of Job's friends, and therefore he is going to justify Job. He is going to explain some things to them that he has seen in Job, and he's going to speak by the Holy Ghost concerning those things. And in the midst of that, we do see prophecy. We do see things of Jesus Christ. I just don't have enough light on it to preach it fully. I'm going to touch on it, let you look at it. We back Lord willing tomorrow, pray for our services. We got 10 o'clock this morning. We have seven o'clock tonight. Continue to pray for Youth Week. Lord willing, we'll see you tomorrow. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning and he longs to return to the Lord as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up 
For your redemption, call it not. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed.